in order to get to pre-pandemic levels, we would have to fall 35%. Do you think? Yeah, I do. Whoa. Two things. So, no, no. <laughs> not happening. Yeah, it's happening. I think that it's going to continue to go down. And the, and the simple reason being, you have your interest rates on it. Everything that you've bought are now going to cost more. It's going to be more difficult to get them. And then the last item being is unemployment. The, the drops that we've seen right now aren't actual. I don't think what we've seen right now is sentiment. Here's, here's why you're wrong. When, when, when I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. Let's dive into it. Welcome back to the Master Keys Podcast, Season 2, Episode I Don't Know. I'm Neil Andrino. I'm Chandler Halliburton. And we're real estate investors and real estate agents. Together, we have around 200 units. We have some commercial assets. As yeah. real estate agents, we have a realtor group. We sold, I don't know, four or $500 million in real estate. We've done a little bit when it comes to real estate world. Nothing crazy. I mean, yeah. there's people out there that do more in a year than we've done in our whole freaking career. But we talk about on this podcast our experiences, what we think. We're not financial advisors, but we try and give some insight on real estate investing, what's going on in the market, what's taking place across Canada, a little bit in the States, and yeah. just an yeah. overall picture so you can get an idea of what you should be doing or, or what you think you should be doing based on that. And we've gotten to the point now where we are the number one real estate investing podcast for Atlantic Canada, and Atlantic Canada is booming. Uh, so thanks for checking in on us. If you're local to the Atlantic Canadian region, you know what it's all about. Things have been great here. Uh, we're really fortunate. So we approach everything from a real estate wealth growth lens from what we do in our background. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the state of the market because as much as it was going awesome for a while, we, the new home price index numbers have come out and things are trending in the opposite direction as we know, but I'm going to actually break it down really specific item by item. And then I'm going to put Neil on the hot seat kind of for the second half of this episode. We're going to find out what makes this guy tick. Uh, oh, we're going to no. ask him a few questions and, and get to the meat of some things uh, because you know what? People ask me all the time like what's that neil guy like what's that oh, neil no. guy like uh so <laughs> same so, question um we're <laughs> i'm completely unprepared here by the way like i have done no research here chandler's gonna ram some stuff no, it's gonna some be news, easy questions are gonna and be and then he's gonna hit me with some questions to completely and totally expose me on the internet they're gonna be from the hurt they're gonna be from the hurt um Listen, we've been doing this now for a little while, and it's been really well received. So we're going to do it again. Yep. A uh, hundred dollars. Uh, if we get 150 likes on this video, one of you that likes is going to get a hundred bucks sent directly to you, and, uh, and you get a bonus entry if you comment down below. Would love to hear a comment that's related to something you heard in the video. And 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 free Patreon free month to our Patreon. Right now, what we've got on the Patreon is how I got into a property with zero down, how vendor takebacks work, how private money works, uh, a breakdown of a $35,000 per unit renovation. Uh, what else do we have on there? There's tons of stuff. Y'all are yeah. sleeping on the Patreon in a major way. We're trying to give you this million dollars worth of advice for 15 bucks a month. <laughs> no, it's, it's crazy. You seriously should check the Patreon. See if, you, if you're interested in the headings. Uh, one of you will get it for free, though. Just like and make a comment. We looked at the analytics, and it's crazy how, for the number of views we get, so many of our views are people that haven't subscribed yet. So subscribe. Just yeah. check it out. Thanks for checking us out, guys. We're going to jump right into this now. Yeah. So uh, let's start with um, what's going on in the market. So uh, the home price index is kind of like the consumer price index is in that it takes, I think it's 31 uh, major centers across Canada, uh, bundles a, a number of properties, and tracks what is going on for property values across the country. It is a lagging indicator. We've talked about lagging indicators be before. With real estate, it's especially true because a deal gets done on day one and it may not close for 90 days uh, and people have rate holds that then expire. So all of these things give an indicator, albeit a lagging indicator of what's going on 
in our market. So I'm going to go through these headings, and Neil, just jump in when you find something that gets you going. Um, So for six months in a row now, inventory has been declining. That's the number of homes available for sale. Uh, We're down almost 20% from this time last year. So that means sellers are not selling their home. Uh, This actually helps prop up the market uh, because sellers know... Yeah, I mean, sellers know that buyers aren't confident. If buyers aren't confident, sellers aren't going to put their home in the market. They know they're not going to get as much, um, and maybe they don't have anywhere to go. So we're down almost 20% from this time last year. I think that's going to change. You think people are going to feel the pinch soon and start to unload? I, I think so. I think and I think there's also this idea of like when people are doing stuff, people tend to follow. There's like a weird thing of like, well, if they're selling, even though things are down, I think it's probably because there's more fall to come, and there's potentially on the back end I'll be able to get in at a better price. Like If it's falling, 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 I'll sell now. And then I'll hopefully buy in further down the line. I feel like it's yeah. the same for people who are buying. Like they kept buying, 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 and the people kind of saw the writing on the wall. But it's like, well, he just bought, so I got to buy. Yeah, or I'm hearing it's a bad time to list, so I'm not gonna list. Yeah. Uh, but then necessity might might change that. Yeah. Um, in the Greater Toronto area, which is kind of the biggest market in Canada, it was the lowest inventory in August for 20 years. Again, not surprising, except That's when you insane. think of how much the city has grown in 20 years, and there are still less homes for sale now. Uh, in this August than there were in Toronto 20 years ago. This is, I mean, this is proof that just like interest rates don't, it's not, it's not just an interest rate thing, even though, again, I think it's going to come in about six months from now that we're going to see people who necessity sell. Um, but it's interest rates don't just force people to list houses or leave a bunch of houses on market. We've talked about it 1 million times that the inventory is the issue. And the only way this is going to go up is by building more houses. You just physically yeah. need more homes. So, But it, I'm surprised yeah. how pronounced it is. It's 20 years that they haven't had this low. Because I feel like Toronto's had like crazy boom years. Where like, oh my gosh. And you'd think like even just bringing on a couple projects online that release, I don't know, a few hundred condos into the market, that that would be yeah. enough alone to offset that. But no, the lowest inventory in 20 years. And it's like the third lowest inventory in, in 20 years in Vancouver. But the question is, what is this doing to pricing? Um to your point, what we were just talking about, sellers are not yet feeling the pinch. They're not unloading properties yet. That's why the volume is, is shrinking, shrinking. But the house price index dropped 2.1% uh, for the month of August, which is the biggest one-month drop in the history of the index. So that means you take all of this average. This is kind of like almost like an inflation measure for housing, uh, if housing was treated like a good, and it dropped 2.1% across the country. What does that index measure exactly? So it measures the average home price, seasonally okay. adjusted average home price across these 31 major centers. Uh, Did you happen to get that number? What's that? Did you happen to get that number? What the price is now? Oh, I think it's, gosh, it's in, I want to say... Seven? No, no, it, it's it's lower than that. Um, I, I don't have it offhand, no. Okay. Um, and, it and peaked out over eight. It was yeah. eight, 8.30 at the start of the year. But but also realize that um, it weights them all kind of equally because it takes the, the 31 cities and, and weights them together, right? Oh. Um, so it's not going to be as skewed by, say, things that take the total number of sales. Like or we're like trying to skew things. Or in Toronto. Right? Um, so it really does measure the thing that's going on. And that's the biggest drop. One thing I want to point out, too, about this inventory that might also skew data a little bit is, like, the idea. So, in Toronto, I know there was – I saw it somewhere that there was – the amount of cranes in the sky had gone down and the number of projects being proposed had gone down. And it's simply a matter of, like, they're running out of, necessarily sites to to do. And, and right. the price yeah. of those sites has gotten so high that the actual project numbers within Toronto have gone down. But then the surrounding towns or cities – 
are actually still having quite a bit of growth, right? And like that's what we've talked about before is the auxiliary areas that are outside of the main city have these big growth nodes. Uh, it was the same in Vancouver. Like downtown Vancouver, there were very few cranes, but then Burnaby, whichever it was, like it's an hour away, Burnaby had cranes galore yeah. and buildings just shooting through the sky. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like that might change a little bit the stats, might, might move the stats a little bit totally. on the inventory side. Totally, and that's, that's why I wanted to go through these stats and really break them down because there's some kind of contrary and, and some sort of interpretation stuff that needs to be done when you think of even just how turbulent this one year um, has been. Yep. So this, takes, uh, this measure takes 31 cities, and for the month of August, every single of those 31 cities declined in their pricing except for three cities all in the same province. Neil. Oh, name those cities. Name that province. God. Uh, wow. Please let me think here. So 31, three cities. Do we have? They're all in the same province. Is the province of Nova Scotia? It is not. Moncton, Fredericton. No, it's Alberta. I was going to go with Alberta because I was like, ah, oh, oil boom's going nuts and they're doing great out there. No way. Calgary, Edmonton, and Lethbridge actually all Lethbridge. saw moderate increases in their home price index for the month of August. Every other city in Canada declined. So if you're listening from Alberta, give a little shout. Let us know that you're there. And you should take some comfort that while the rest of the country is is seeing a pullback in pricing, those three cities were the only three major cities in Canada included in this uh, measure that saw an increase in pricing. It doesn't surprise me, though, because you know what? They were actually reasonably affordable in the sense that their house price average wasn't that high. Their average income was high. Their overall taxes are low, and now there's a boom in the oil sector. So, like, I feel like they are poised to have good growth uh, right now and kind of be able to weather the storm, assuming that oil can stay propped up. Yeah. I mean, it's pulled back a bit, but hopefully it can stay over a profitable level. Also, a lot of Alberta has had some really, really weird ebbs and flows that I saw something where, like, over the last 15 years, they're really only up about 30%. That's what I mean. Like right. they, they haven't had a lot of like. That's why their pricing is still so reasonable. But they also had some pullbacks. And if you think, well, uh, you know, thirty percent over fifteen years, man, that's two percent a year. That is very sustainable. Yeah. It's less than inflation. It's less than income growth. So, um, I guess shout out to uh, shout out to to Alberta. They're, Moving everything to Alberta. Good, good position maybe to to weather the tide here. Um, so an interesting thing that they also measured was how far. Um, cities have come from their reported peak. And what they did is they took the national peak, um, which they measure as May. Now, you and I may disagree with this. When do you think the absolute peak was? Anecdotally. Uh, April. Yeah. Mm, start of April sort of thing, mid-April. I, I sort of felt like the transactional peak was March and April, but those deals close May, June, July. That's why like there is this oh, yeah, pricing true. lag. So um, they say that the... Actual home price index across Canada peaked in May, and since then it's down four percent. Um, but it had a really significant uh, kind of range here. So Hamilton down ten point five percent from that peak. Okay, which is not insignificant. No, Halifax near and dear to our hearts down eight point seven percent. Yeah, since about the right. peak. Yeah, Toronto down eight point three percent. Really, it's it. Yeah. I now, guess again, again the same thing. The downtown core just tightened up. Nobody, nobody decided to sell. There hasn't been much panic selling. But yet. listen to these areas yet. as well. Abbotsford Mission area down fifteen percent. Brantford down thirteen point six percent. Ottawa, Peterborough, and Windsor areas kind of twelve to thirteen percent from the peaks in May. Interesting. Yeah, yeah those are some pretty some pretty big numbers. And HRM I saw actually just uh, from July to August we dropped three point eight percent. 
that that's not as bad though as I think everyone was expecting. But again, like we talked about last week, I suspect the worst is to come, and I think you're going to see another ten to fifteen points off a lot of those next year. Like I really do believe that because again. I think it's a sentiment drop. Like I think people like these prices have come down on sentiment and the idea of, of fear and scarcity, like people being afraid of like what's to come, but not because it's actually happened yet. But I think next year when we feel what's actually going to happen, yeah, we've priced in some of the drops. So it's not an overnight drop of 30%, yeah. but it'll still be another drop of 10 to 15 points. It'll be more gradual. So this way, instead of your house going from 500 to 300 in a month, now your house went from 500 to 300 over eight months. That feels a little better. Feels so, a little, uh, so <laughs> the worst is yet to come. Thanks, Neil, for chiming in. Um, what's kind of curious, though, and this is is sort of interesting. Um, people have to remember it's so hard to go back in time. Um, but remember August of 2021, and things were just cooking along. It's really hard to go right. back in time. Uh, <laughs> go back in time in our imaginary um, mind space. So, do you remember August 2021? This time last year, time things last were year. cooking along. Things were cooking. Right, market was Mark was going going well. Yeah, and it continued on that upward trend, like we said, at least until February, March, if not yep. even until April, May, depending on on how you're measuring. Yeah. So there was a huge run up from August until that peak of of May, and really, it was probably a run up of to that absolute height, probably around twenty percent or so. Because yep. what's interesting is from August of 2021, the whole market is actually still up almost 9%. It's up 8.9% yeah. from uh, the last 12 months. So while the recent trend has been quite poor, um, homes are still worth 10% more than they were just last year in this current moment across across this index. It's literally like the charts. It's like like the motion you do with your hand. It's like it gets going, starts picking up steam, starts picking up more steam. And near the end, it's just skyrocketing. Like those last couple of months, I was looking at a place that was uh, that sold in March of last year, and it was up for three fifty, and it sold for four eighty five. And now the neighboring properties, which are identical, are both listed at like three sixty five, and they can't sell. And oh like, man, this dude's oh, gonna be you. sitting there being like, "I just paid four eighty five, and now my neighbors are trying to sell the identical product for three sixty five. Yeah, but that was right at the peak, and so prices and people were just like fatigued and like full i need a house mode. and i need to just go full in and like so it just like shoots up straight right like it's that exponential curve and so like the first year of this growth that we saw in like 2019 you probably saw that same amount of growth if not more in the last three to six months like oh, it, yeah. was, it was insane like it just started picking up the pace like crazy so well over the last 12 months so last from last august as a country we're up almost nine percent but year to date, we're only up about six and a half percent. So that kind of shows that at some point here, we've started giving away a lot of those increases that we got. Yeah. Um, Halifax um, is still up fifteen percent since last August. Wow. Victoria is still up about fifteen percent. Yeah. Vancouver still up eight percent. Calgary's up thirteen and a half percent. Montreal up twelve percent. Toronto up almost eight percent. So compared to last August. Yeah, things are still up quite a bit. Yeah. So people keep talking about, oh, we're going to give it all back. We're gonna, we still have a pretty significant, we still have 9% just to bring us back even with last August. Chandler's got no fear. No, I'm just saying like... Take the rates uh, to 14%. <laughs> <laughs> twist it, twist it. Uh, turn the screws. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... I'm just saying, you can look at this two ways. One, if you purchased a home... 
last year in August, you are still significantly further ahead. Saying nothing for the fact that you probably got a better rate and blah, blah, blah. You are still significantly far ahead in mm-hmm. Halifax. You're still 15% ahead. Mm-hmm. The question now is how much of that are we going to give back? Because we gained, you know, it, it, there was a point probably where from August until the peak, like we we're up 20%, and now it's trickling back and back. Yeah. Um, so how much do we think we're going to give back? There is a pretty good cushion there to, to even hit us uh, from a year ago. I would think, and you see some projections, that our actual year to date, like when we hit December 31st, our actual change um, is only going to be about 2% growth for all of 2022, which means that we'll have had this massive increase in the first three or four months of 20 or 23%, and we'll give it all back by the end of the year. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, I I think we're going to go down another 10, 15 points, potentially maybe more. I'm, I'm like back and forth to see what's coming. I think we're going to give it all back and a bit more. Like I, It only makes sense to give it all back and a bit more. But if you were like me and you listen to all the Chandler stuff and the only thing you got out of that the whole time was, why am I not investing in Alberta? <laughs> I just want to talk about it a little bit because I've spent a lot of time out there. I have looked at investment properties out there. I'm still continuing to shop. Um, it's a good market, but I think the difficulty is that their pricing stabilized many years ago when the original oil booms. And so I found in, in the, the, the number one city I would say in Alberta is Calgary. I'm sure there's people from other that are listening from other cities in, in Alberta and uh, nothing against those cities, but like it is your, it's the Mecca, I guess if you will. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there, every rental property I looked at plus minus, but maybe 20 grand, they all came in at 200,000 a door. I didn't come across stuff that was priced way under market. I didn't come across stuff that was priced way over market. It was just everything kind of sat at this baseline level of around 200 a door. Um, and the rents aren't super high there because there's a fair bit of inventory and their their population fluxes so much with oil and gas that like during the biggest booms, they've built so much that when things are slightly slower than that, there's enough inventory to suffice the demand. And so kind of rental rates are are normal and that's why if you look at a lot of stats like calgary doesn't peak at the highest rental rates oddly enough because they have some of the highest incomes and the lowest taxes so people have more expendable income but they actually don't have to spend it on housing there um so i was struggling in calgary one spot that seemed interesting and it's a city that's growing and i think getting better and better by the day is edmonton edmonton had very affordable um rental properties multi-unit buildings multi-unit homes and even just townhouses and stuff like there's something that reminded me so much of the townhouses in spryfield here in halifax local to us was they have condo townhomes that are two three bedroom townhomes for 70 to one hundred and ten thousand dollars, which well what? we had just two three years ago like we had them for 130 grand 150 oh, grand, 110 yeah. they have these condo townhouse complexes and so they have those in edmonton and i'm looking at those being like you know, if you can get in there and buy these little townhouses for 150 grand even a piece, you only need maybe 12, 1300 a month to rent them, which they're a single family home effectively. Eventually down the road, those are going to become worth a lot of money, I yeah, think. Yeah, we had a few of those spike big time here. But it's tough yeah. when it's a very transient population there and I don't know that their immigration numbers are as high as other parts of the country on a percentage basis. So, again, I'm just saying this for anyone who heard him say that and like, well, maybe I should be looking at Alberta as an investment place. 
definitely should be, but I think it's more of a long-term investment. I think the borough model is a little bit harder there. Um, I we have some. I know we do have some listeners there that are, are buying houses and tearing them down and building townhouses on the strip. Infills, yeah. Infills. So that's I think that's more their market there is like the infills, new construction, and resale because the rent's not very high, so you can't appraise for a ton of money. But if you can build condos or townhomes, you can sell because of the strong incomes. People will pay for nice new product. They will pay a premium. So, anyways, it's so, a little uh, bit of a digression, but I just heard yeah. you say it, and I feel like someone listening was probably like, hmm, I wonder if I should be in Alberta, not uh, wherever I'm working at. And that's just what my experience was when I was out there. Yeah, I'm going to throw something at you, and I want to see your, your opinion on it. Um, so, from pre-pandemic, I don't know, call it the start of 2020, till the end of, of uh, December of 2021, mm-hmm. we effectively grew like 29%. Yep. And now we're still about another nine percent this year over last year or, or maybe about six and a half so it, it means in order to get to pre-pandemic levels we would have to fall upwards of 35 percent from today's values um maybe even more okay so do you think yeah i do whoa two things so no no <laughs> no no not happening yeah, it's happening no it's not dude no. So let me. That let would me, be a crisis let of me unprecedented extreme. Myself. <laughs> You're wrong. Okay. So cheapers. Two things. Okay. Aren't we up more than twenty nine percent since the start of the pandemic to the end of twenty twenty one? Or is that what it came out to be? It was about that. Okay. Thirty percent. Thirty percent over the two years. That's yeah, man, yeah, that o- over yeah. twenty two months basically. Yeah. And then it continued to go up into this year. Those psycho four months that we had. And, and then and then it's pulling back from there, right? So. It's maybe 29 to 32% during the course of the pandemic, depending on your measure and whatever. And Yeah. So first item that I want to go over is, let's say the average was 100 grand and it went up by the 40%. Um, it's 140K. If it drops 40%, that's actually dropping by 56,000. So it goes down to $84,000, not 100,000. So the percentage on the drop side are actually worth more because you're multiplying it by a, a larger value. I understand how math works, yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> no, but, <laughs> no, but you raise a really good point. But it, yeah. it, it, it plays into a factor. But does like that make it less likely that it's going to give back the same percentage? Well, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying like, when you see those drops that they have more weight. Like just add like almost a 10 or 20% weight on those, on those drops that you see relative to the old growth. Um, but... That's not like meaning anything. That's not what what this is. Not just about stats. It's about what's actually going to happen. So I think that it's going to continue to go down. And and I've said it a bunch of times. And the the simple reason being is there is a bunch of money that went out there. A bunch of people got it and they spent it. It forced prices up. We now have this inflationary pricing that's not just going to come down overnight because it trickled through the whole line. It's not like we just had like a temporary bump in pricing. It was across the board and everything. And so everyone can agree with that. They're facing it with everything that they're experiencing. If you look at when oil, even now, so now things are say people are like, oh, we got under control with interest rates and this and that. Yeah, well, the, the biggest indicator that moved there was the gas price, which can kind of artificially be manipulated. And if you look at when oil was at this price per barrel last time, the price of gas was not at this price at the pump, so they're still gouging, and they're going to continue to do so. Let me finish. Then you have your interest rates on everything that you've bought, any lines of credits that you have. All those items are now going to cost more. It's going to be more difficult to get them. But people who already have them, which most people already have, like that's why we had this crazy consumer spending, That's gonna they're going to be stuck with those things, and they have to pay those things off. And then the last item being is unemployment. As these big companies start seeing things dry up and they start incurring more cost of money and they start having issues to get product off the line, 
unemployment follows. Like it, it's a compounding effect. And I feel like the snowball has fallen off the side of the mountain and it's starting to roll down now. The, the drops that we've seen right now aren't actual. I don't think what we've seen right now is sentiment. Here, here's I think one. we're going to see the pre-approvals that are, people aren't going to be able to buy coming up. People are losing their jobs coming up. People actually not being able to spend the money because they don't have it anymore coming up. Like I think that's to come. And I think that's going to hit harder than the sentiment drop of 10%. I think it's going to be like a proper 20 25%. So this is officially the doom and gloom episode. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe. Um, here's here's why you're wrong. I, I agree that there is going to be more drop to come. I, yeah. I, I agree with that, and I think it just only makes sense intuitively. Um, with the scenario you're describing, tell me, in that world, yeah, how do we build a single new home? I don't mean how do we build the homes we need, which is, I don't know how many, 20,000 homes, or whatever. I mean... How do we build a single home and sell mm -hmm. it if resale prices are down 30% or 40% as you think? How, how is that possible? How, how do we then justify single new build construction house? Well, we don't. And this we is, don't. This okay, is, so inventory doesn't increase. And, not much. And, and people, At a very much slower pace than we need. Okay, and assuming the majority of people have a small amount of equity in the property, the, the most susceptible people to this pullback and to this uh, pinch that you're talking about have let's be generous and call it 10% equity in their home when they buy. Mm -hmm. Now they have minus 30% equity. How yeah. are they going to sell? This is, okay, so here's the thing. Not a lot of people aren't going to sell. Okay. And I think so inventory is going to remain low. So now we have no new construction. That's not inventory low. That That's... In, like already, we've but had. I'm saying it, we've the ones, the ones that do, the, the ones that do have to sell, the, the houses that do sell, will sell at a, giant, a big discount. We've had moderate changes in price valuations, and our inventory is down twenty percent, almost twenty percent. You're talking about a forty percent reduction. There will effectively be no, no homes for sale. I think twenty-five total. Okay, so there will be no homes for sale, no homes being built new, and we're still bringing people in. At some point, the home you're referring to that's going to come on the market, right? there's going to be someone, listen, I can't pay the bills, i got to put it on the market. There's going to be such demand for that property, it is going to prop it back up. There's just no way. I don't but how's there going to be so much demand when the, the rates are high, people don't have jobs, they're getting beat up all over the place, they're seeing layoffs getting happen taking place all so over. So there's going like to be... There, what are they going to do? There's going to be no house for sale, you're, and you're telling me there's going to be no one with jobs that when a house comes for sale... no one with jobs. But it's the same thing. It's like, I think there's going to be houses that are going to get built. I agree that it's not going to be as bad. I think the states are going to get beat to shit because they, they build so much inventory so quick, and I think that's our saving grace, and I say that all the time, is that and Canada weathers... And move around really easily here. <clears throat> people do not move around nearly as easily as the states. Exactly. And I, I think we... We are much stronger in our housing market in the sense that we, well, basically by the fact that we have no inventory, it forces the value to remain. But I still believe that there's going to be people that have to sell that are going to cause it to go down. And I think just transactional volume is going to really dry up. I think that's what's going to take place. I think people are going to need places to live. And there, there's going to be a lot of people renting houses, a lot of people renting units. But I think it's it's a it's a mindset where people, if they're seeing like, shit, like I know a friend that's selling at a loss or I know like it. Everyone cuts off on the buying, even when it feels like a good deal. If you if you know that it's gonna go, if you think it's gonna go down, or in your head you've been watching it go down for the last six months, then you don't buy. It's similar to the people that were buying when it was going up. They're like, man, I saw the last two years of it going up. This price seems out of this world, but it just keeps going up, so I'm gonna buy. I hear what you're saying. Um, it, it doesn't always make sense. Like it's just like it's it's a simple thing of like there's houses and, and properties that sell on market and they sit on MLS for 40 days and then they sell and people reflip them six months later and sell them for 200 grand more or they buy a piece of land that like no one's paying attention to and you buy it for 100 grand and two months later it's worth five million dollars and you're like why did no one buy that but the general sentiment in the market is 
is a certain thing. So what you're saying basically is that demand is shifting to the left, right? But supply is also going to contract big time. And that's going to equal out to, to that's going to be see that likes a little pen. I can't do this are, backwards because yeah, they're so opposite. Just Wait a for you guys listening, Chandler's using pens. To I do try to graph. do some pens, but I, I just feel like the scenario you're describing doesn't take into account the fact that there's going to be no supply because you, no one will be selling. You, you know what I think it's really so, dependent on the immigration numbers at the end of the day. Yeah, because if they cut off immigration, then I really think it's going to take a beating. If they yeah. keep pumping people in here, then that then that logic works that it's going to keep getting worse because supply is not going to contract more because they're still going to keep building stuff slowly. So supply is going to continue to grow, but if is it slower than the amount of people that are showing up here? So what's going to be really interesting is what's going to happen is we're going to have a conservative federal government mm-hmm. most likely next. Um, that's not me wishing something into existence. That's kind of what I, I genuinely believe to be true, mm-hmm. um, which will hopefully. Um, maintain some lower pricing in the oil market here. Um, That is my real, real wish. And I think there is going to be such a desperation for... um, You buying a lot of oil? uh, uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) No, but like I I, I do feel like um, the oil is going to start flowing a little uh, better here, and hopefully there's a bigger push towards transporting oil and refining oil here, et cetera, et cetera. so I think that's going to happen. But interestingly, the conservatives tend to have a slower stance on migration. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see how those things kind of counteract one another. Because that's the only way inflation folks. is going to get at all under control is to somehow um, keep oil Cut immigration. I can see it. The only uh, they need to pump a shitload of oil into the system. They need to start getting way more production going on. Drill, baby, then, drill. And then come up with incentives to build a shitload of homes and apartments. Yeah, the problem is like those incentives to build those homes and apartments are kind of like a way of printing money, and I don't know, that's inflationary pressure, man. Um, so I agree, there's going to be more pullback. It's going to be significant. I don't think it's going to be as significant as you're talking about. Also, if we look at these markets, it goes to it speaks to the fact that every market is not the same, and we have this obsession about what's going on in Toronto uh, and what's going on in Vancouver. And then you look within Toronto and the GTA, and you realize even that can be skewed one direction to another. Um, so I personally feel pretty good about Halifax. Mm-hmm. That that's again that that's the market we know best. But there's a lot of underlying reasons why I feel strongly about Halifax, starting with the fact that even this job loss, it rarely comes in the public sector, especially during economic downturns, because, you know, politicians are trying to get reelected. They're not going to do these mass layoffs, and those are all collectively negotiated anyway, and and all these things. So um, I feel good about our resiliency here in Halifax. Um, And we're also... You know, more affordable compared to some other places in in the country. But Chandler's trying to keep his buyer clients. That is a real. That is a real thorough breakdown of these most recent numbers. There's a lot of moving parts here. We're still up um, year over year, um, but that gap is really, really shrinking. I think we're going to give back most of the gains from the last 12 months by the end of this December. Um, You know, and that'll vary region by region um because like i said we in halifax we're still up quite a bit you know from yeah last, this time last year i want to preface everything that i said with it's only called prefacing if you, if you say, say it before beforehand. yeah so it's true you're not i'm now what am i doing i'm um prefacing uh, i don't know preface it. i know my bad what's the what's the term what's the uh, after preface oh my gosh the, i should know this 
Oh, like Mr. Smart like an epilogue. I don't know. <laughs> the epilogue to what I just said is... Is that even right? I don't yeah, think I'm so. A, I'm uh, many years removed from my literary studies, but yes. Uh, where was I? No, okay, so is that... I, I'm going to go full realtor mode here, but I think it's still an okay time to buy if the numbers make sense. Like, you never want to try and time the bottoms or the tops, right? And so, okay, so there's a bit of a discount I see here. There's there's a reduction in volume taking place. If you can make the numbers work on a, on a property purchase right now, my logic is, okay, this place might have been going for 400 You might be able to get it for 350 335 Let's say 350 You can get into it. You take this the shitty rate for two years. Yep. The cost of that shitty rate is going to be like, 15k in interest extra interest right like you're yep. so then you're looking at 365 you're still ahead. for a house that someone paid 400 grand for six eight months ago yep. you're still ahead now it may go down another 10 or 15 percent but you can't time that bottom it may also not like to what chandler just said it may not go more also down. what is your alternative you're going to sit in this apartment you know rental rates are finally starting to level off and in the states are even pulling back just a tiny bit but man rental rates are up huge so what's the alternative like you sit in that apartment longer you pay those rents and you have a maybe less satisfaction like buying a home is a very emotional thing um so there's tons of reasons people would still want to buy now if you can't afford your setup your current setup don't be buying because that's not a good idea to try and buy hoping that eventually it's gonna come back around but i I just don't i'm not big on like trying to time the tops and the bottoms and i think there's a discount right now i do again expect more to come so I, i i'm personally I'm personally shopping though at the same time. Like if a good deal comes, a good deal comes. Um, and just run your numbers at, at higher rates. Make sure you're, you're like you're stress testing yourself. Don't just let the bank do it. You gotta be diligent yourself and do that. So yeah. Anyways, not to lecture, but I just I don't I don't think it's like the be all end all. Again, I think a lot of people listening are kind of debating what they should be doing with their investments or their purchases. Yeah, we're gonna pivot here. Um, but thanks for listening to this point. Don't forget to like and comment. Let us know what do you think it's gonna go down. Do you predict a, a soft landing or you think the shoe's going to drop the way Neil sees it? Comment below. That's worth an entry into the draw for $100 in a free month to Patreon. So too is a like, so don't forget to like it. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple iTunes, pop over. It takes two seconds. It really supports us and maybe you'll win great access to the Patreon, all that. I want to pivot just a little bit uh, to some fun news okay. um, on, a, on a lighter note. Um, I saw. I love hearing these landlord stories and this tenant, I think she published it I don't know if she published it on Reddit or TikTok or, or something. I can't recall. But after she signed the lease... Can you use the word publishing on TikTok? I think it's a is it published. That? It's it's whatever. Okay. Uh, posted. Okay. So it is... This guy's trying to gonna get me on, on my grammar now. Um, <laughs> my language usage. So after she signed the lease, the landlord gave her this list of, of 14 rules of the house. And some of them are... are to be expected not too unreasonable. Um, but one that stood out was that her boyfriend was not allowed to stay past 10 p.m. and no premarital sex was allowed to be had <laughs> in the house. That's amazing. Dude, where do you find... What landlord group are you on? Like, what was it a couple weeks ago you are talking about the guy who gets, like, BJ's as part of his monthly payment? And yeah, now... there's a sketchy website where, like, sketchy landlords meet up with uh, tenants. It's called <laughs> Creepers and Seekers. Chan- no, I'm just kidding. Chan- Chandler's ahead of the council. He's like, thanks, everybody, for coming in today. I'd like to see all of your addendums Meaning for your leases, session. please. Uh, <laughs> what do we got? What do we got? <laughs> Kevin down in Las Vegas. I know you've did- you definitely dirty bastard. You're up to something. It's definitely an old dude who's got, like, a crush on a young tenant. No, this they, they said it had something to do with their religious beliefs, and they were saying if you want to oh. live under this house, you're going to live by our rules. Okay, now and that makes that was a little more sense. No premarital sex. Interesting. Yeah. How's so he that? that's one time where a tenant breaks the lease, and you're like, respect. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I violated oh, the terms no. of my lease twice last night. <laughs> Woo! Okay, um, so that's oh, one little no. piece of news. There was another really cool story, and you'll appreciate this. Neil's a boat owner, as you might expect. <laughs> um, the uh, CRA took these people to task Ugh. because they didn't uh, agree with... Um, the expense that they had run their boat through, right? So they own a marina, and they purchased this boat yeah. for promotional use for the marina. They cruise around, it promotes the marina, they interact with the community, et cetera. And they actually charged themselves $16,000 to use the boat. Because, like, mm-hmm. well, if we're, we're using it sometimes for our enjoyment, blah, blah, blah. And CRA effectively audited them and said, no, we don't agree with this, blah, blah. They appealed it, and the judge slapped CRA down. Hells yeah. It was amazing. Hells yeah. The judge said that, basically, it was not the CRA's business to pass judgment on how a um, you know, operation, how a business decides to market. And whether or not the marketing is also enjoyable to them is irrelevant. Whether or not the marketing even works or is productive is irrelevant. That is not the CRA's business to tell people how to run their business. So the judge found that the $16,000 that they were paying effectively to use the boat for the personal enjoyment was really, uh, once they audited the actual usage, was way too high. Yeah, so score one for the boat-loving, tax-evading folks out there. It's um, not tax evading. No, no, it was, it was deemed not to be tax evading. It's smart it tax evading. policy. But if you run a marina, I think you should be able to claim a hundred percent of a boat. But I always feel it's all deckled up. They're out there going to events. In I find myself in this situation all the time with a lot of the things that I have and do because honestly, a lot of it's part of my business. Like it's 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 the appearance that I upkeep. It's it's the people that I spend time with. One hundred percent, and that's what's so huge about this. These these trips that I go on a lot, like I, I realize now that a lot of the trips I've been on, I'm like it was with all with clients. And yeah, they're my friends and stuff like that, but they've become friends or they've become clients. Like it's it's weird, but this the CRA does this as I think of like fear mechanism to try and chase down all sorts of people and on small things like sixteen thousand dollars. What are they doing going to court over a sixteen thousand dollar claim, which means the tax totally. write up is probably like a few thousand bucks. Like yeah. what a waste of time. Well, people hear both and like oh oh this something. It's like man, they run a marina. Yeah, right? this it's, is I, I don't know, but I'm glad that I'm glad they won. Like, screw that. Like that that would be insane uh for CRA to pull that that stunt. I forget what I was claiming the other day, and they were saying, Oh, well, CRA can come after you and you have to prove the whole situation. And I'm like, you know what, honestly, I think I probably would because it's legitimate that I, I went on a specific trip to do something that was a benefit to a client and ultimately a benefit to my business. I had two that I was always wary of. I rented the rink every Christmas just to, you know, play hockey with my boys. Yeah. Right, but man, I sold most of those guys' houses. Yeah, and so we go there, we catch up, we shoot the shit, and that is the definition of your sphere of influence. And sales one hundred and one, man, work your sphere of influence. Be in their ear, you know, be in contact with them as regular as possible. Yeah. So that should be a business expense. Yeah. And if CRA says, well, not very effective, and you didn't even really put up much signage, and you barely talk about real estate. Kind of none of your damn business was what this judge how, said. How you run your business. There's a reason that people called you because you probably didn't have a sign in their yeah, face. And, and the fact that I enjoy playing hockey and we have a good time, that is also irrelevant. Yeah. Like, say my marketing campaign was standing out on, on the sidewalk spinning a big sign. Like, if I he, really he enjoyed that, that sometimes. Um, that's irrelevant to, to the whole thing. It's still marketing. The other one was, man, sometimes you have like a big party and you spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on the party. Like That's you get me. a couple kegs, you, you do this, you do that, yeah. and then it's 
you know, that's something that you can never claim, never claim. But man, if I look around the house, if I didn't sell you a house, or wait, if you bought a house through someone else, I don't even know how you got invited. You're probably a plus one, <laughs> you know, or one of my wife's friends. Um, but those are my people in that room. And I've never expensed one of those parties. But people ask, like, oh, man, do you do this? Do you put up banners here? Do you do that? I'm like, I don't do any of that crap. Like, well, what do you do for marketing? I'm like, I don't really know. Like, I do word of mouth. But no, that is what I do. Yeah. No, I, I had that same moment where I do it through a lot of different things that are alternative. And I, I caught myself being like, man, the only reason I'm doing this is because there's a business aspect to it. I don't know why I'm feeling bad. because I'm feeling bad because I pleasured. I feel like I had pleasure from it. So That's I don't, what they said. It's yeah. irrelevant. Yeah. I agree. I'm going to start claiming pleasure everything. pleasure from your marketing. Why not? I'm claiming everything. Yeah. Claim it all, baby. Um, last item, and then we're going to switch into some stuff more personal to you. Um, so you, we, we haven't talked about this in a little while. We talked about the great resignation and what that was and people just yep. kind of walking away uh, because the job market was so strong. Yep. Um, and then there's this, this <laughs> other thing <laughs> I called... I turned quick. <laughs> What's that? I turned around quick. <laughs> What did I turn? What do you mean? The, the great resignation, and now it's like unemployment's going up. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, involuntary resignation. Um, People are, oh, but shit, there I is still there is still this movement, and there's all these different terms floating around there. And let me know if you've heard any of these: quiet quitting, or yeah, the soft life, or my favorite, lying flat. What? Have you heard about these? Planking. <laughs> planking's back, baby. It's 2022. Plank is back. How is planking not made a resurgence on TikTok? I don't know. Someone go out there, plank, put it on TikTok, tag us. That's a bad um, idea. Don't listen So to quiet quitting it was basically this idea of people kind of mailing it in, which I know a lot of you out there is like, I already do that. Um, <laughs> but working just the minimum, no overtime, no extra e- effort, doing the bare minimum and not um, kind of falling into this obsession of like, I need to work ahead. I need to grind. I need to climb my way to the Isn't that just work from home? <laughs> I think that's just work for the public sector. Oh, no. Um Like, follow, subscribe. Um, <laughs> More like we just got like tw- the, the 30 we had subscribers, now I have 10. <laughs> so, quiet quitting, that's movement number one, where people are basically work to rule with sometimes what's called when it's, you're in a, in a, in a, uh, a labor dispute, you'd work to rule. Uh, yeah. Soft life is kind of goes hand in hand with that. <laughs> Neil lives that soft life. <laughs> I live the soft life. Um, which I think is basically the same deal, just slacking. Um, lying flat. So lying flat was a literal translation of a Chinese term that uh, you know I can't pronounce. But it is a movement whereby people work the bare minimum jobs. Uh, they live at home with their parents. And the lying flat speaks to the fact that they just kind of lay around on the couch. <laughs> and it is a form of silent protest against capitalism, corporate America, greed, climbing, and blah, blah, blah. Is it that, Neil? This, or is it just laziness? I, I'm i just blown away. I guess, you know, if you're living this off life, you have time to come up with all these terms. Because I didn't realize oh my God. that there was so many names for it. But, I uh, yeah, lying flat sounds like some people that I know. What are you doing? Um, lying flat. I'm just lying flat. I, I've never heard anyone say that. I lie flat around 8.30 or 9 at night. Once the kids are in bed and I'm done free and working, I melt into that couch and I, I watch TV, you know. But I don't do it at like, you know, 11 a.m. on a Wednesday. That sounds amazing. So but this is the movement sweeping the nation or the world. 
Yeah, I feel like that's. I mean, I feel like that's. I don't know if that's a movement. I feel like that's always been the case. You're gonna have a bunch of people that that are doing the bare minimum for a multitude of reasons. It's not necessarily that that's what they want to do, but I feel like they're uninspired by the job that they have. Uh, they don't feel like they're getting paid sufficiently for what they're doing, um, and a bunch of other reasons. Or feel like they they have issues with their with their colleagues. Um, but I don't know. It's. Uh, that's just the world, man. I, I feel like as I've started to grow a business now where I have people working for me, I'm starting to see how difficult it can be to inspire people and keep them motivated to keep going. So I feel like my generation is getting has this really high expectation of what they should be doing and what they should be getting paid and how they should be inspired on a day-to-day basis. And I think that really impacts this and why you're seeing a lot of people lie flat. Yeah, and I think there's a difference here because there have been people laying flat for a long time. Um, I think now it's, it's viewed as some sort of moral um, protest and I don't know if I'm buying it. I don't think there's anything wrong with working hard. I, I think the implication of this is that other people are maybe foolish or dumb to want those things, um, which I just flat don't agree with. Um, but anyway, I thought you'd get a kick out of that because that we're probably funny. the antithesis to that. Um, so on that note, we're going to pivot. Life. We're going to dive into what makes Neil tick. Oh, no. What gets him. <laughs> <laughs> what takes him from line fact <laughs> to full on erect. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you can't. No way. Uh, we might have to leave that out. Uh, maybe not. Leave it in. I don't know how just, YouTube works. Just, but can, just beep out the what word. Can you say? What can you not say? Um, <laughs> so first of all, Neil. Soft What's, life new? To the hard What's life? new with you? <laughs> <laughs> so nothing, nothing crazy new. So I've I've been shopping a little bit, but I'm I'm trying to make a transition from buying old product to building new, potentially getting into commercial. I feel like I'm a bit <laughs> weathered, beat up, and tired from buying residential product. And it, it's not something that I take pride in doing. In some sense, that like I do take pride in making the buildings better because they're dilapidated. But it doesn't feel good to have to displace someone to move somebody else in. Whereas I'm really excited to build new yeah. and actually during, okay, this was a single family house. Now it's 40 units. So yeah. this went one family to 40 families. So you're shopping, but you're not necessarily shopping for the stuff you've shopped for in the past. <clears throat> exactly. You're looking at land again. Yeah, land again and commercial deals. But again, I'm, I'm beat up because I'm not getting nearly as much cash as I had projected. Um, which on, is, on your refinances. <clears throat> exactly. Stuff, yeah. There are such low ratios that I'm getting out. Um, it's really impacting my ability to, thank you, my ability to kind of buy. So I'm being a lot more selective on what I do. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm still in the sentiment of like, I'm a, I'm a little beat up from Atlantic Canada and I'm a little beat up by Canada in general. So I still am exploring alternative markets. And I think, again, what we've talked about, the alternative markets are going to take a bigger beating during these next 12 to 18 months. And I'm hoping it presents an opportunity for me to to buy big and, and grow a lot faster. Yeah, there have been a couple people I know in our network who have been looking increasingly more at the States based on uh, <coughs> their feeds, Manny and uh, Janelle, and I, I think a few other people who are looking in the States. So shout out to those guys. Maybe we'll, we'll check in with them at another date. Um, so now I'm going to fire some questions at you okay. um, just to kind of get your temperature on a few things and, and let the listeners know more about uh, our buddy Sunil here. Yeah. So... <laughs> Where do you feel, knowing what you know, like we're, mm-hmm. we're talking this context, mm-hmm. the way forward to build wealth, do you feel like, which which option do you think is better? Business ownership and development yep. or real estate ownership and development? Okay, good, good question. My answer is not going to be direct, which kind of sucks, but it really depends on what you're doing and what type of person you are. 
even that being said, I, real estate is number one. I think real estate number one uh, for both parties. And what I mean by the different type of person you are, what your direction is, if you're working a job that is a nine to five, Monday to Friday, it's very difficult to add a second business on that can be fruitful for any real dollar value that's going to impact your life. You might be able to add a few thousand dollars a month to your baseline, but you're not going to get to a point where it's going to change everything. Uh, whereas real estate can be an opportunity for you to buy something, you have an income that you can use to hopefully approve it, um, and then it'll pay in the long run. Um, same with if you're doing a business, like if you go full time in a business, realistically, one of the best ways to make money in a business is to buy real estate because the cash yeah. flow is great, but at the end of the day, the real estate is what, pay, what pays off. And you can control your destiny. If you own your real estate, you control your future. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm a bit biased. I also I, now that being said, real estate is very intensive and active. So maybe doing that through REITs or alternative investments or lending the money to somebody who is an active investor that can handle all of it. So you're getting that active return, but you're not actively involved as as that kind of partner. You're just a silent partner. Those are ways that I would suggest doing it if you're not interested in buying the actual real estate and dealing with the tenants and being on the ground. So that kind of leads to my uh, next question, which I, I assume I know the answer then. So if you knew now, if you knew then what you know now, including rent control and the current climate and what's going on with the rates, would you still have gone into real estate or do you think you would have done something different? Uh, like You mean like right from the start? Yeah. E- so... <sighs> Part of me wants to say I would have done something different, and it's not because of what I know now about this market, though. It's, I think, my general experience and some personal disappointment in what I've done. I was always somebody that wanted to start businesses. That's what excited me. I wanted to create something new and grow something. Um, and so I'm not getting to do that with real estate. It's, it's the same. I'm doing the same systems everybody else does. Um, there's little efficiencies you can add in here and there, and there's creativity that allows you to grow faster. But it's not... I think sparking me the way that I was hoping it would. It's achieved me a lifestyle and a, and a wealth base and an income base that's amazing. And I have no regrets. But I've now realized after meeting with other people in, like, let's say, startup spaces or in the business world, I am now 27. So I feel like I'm 10 years behind in those worlds. So the guys that I'm up against in those worlds are experts in their field. And it's very difficult for me to now jump in. And so I kind of have to be like, well, I've pigeonholed myself in real estate. So I'm going to keep going that way. Um, I don't think that's that's the case, man. You're never too old to, to learn new tricks, but totally. Yeah, it's but natural it, to feel that way to some degree. It's for me. It's more the growth. So it's like I'm now. I have. I've become. I understand real estate fairly well, and I'm able to keep growing it, and I can do well. Whether it's like fundraising capital, buying and understanding, and continuing to move, and I have a big network in this world, and so I can then kind of without as much effort, continue to grow that at a certain pace for me to then step out and start completely fresh in a brand new space right now. Yeah. It's daunting. It's daunting. And it's, it's going to be a lot of work and it's going to really, I feel like I'm going to be starting fresh. and It's going to take a lot of years to get up to there. So that that's the one thing why I would change it, but it's nothing to do with the real estate or the rules that are in now with all that. I am super happy for the real estate. I'm glad I did it. And I think what I'm going to do now is I'm going to start some businesses that are alternative that are still within the real estate space. So I get to use right. what I've learned and to help me and be that advantage and then the new startup world hopefully i can find some partners that are uh, knowledgeable that can be that that way gotcha um this kind of goes back to what we were talking about uh, in an earlier segment do you think society penalizes ambition these days totally yeah yeah we've talked about that before um i think society i find this is a canada thing i think more than than elsewhere uh like i think in the states they're big on the american dream the american dream and i feel like they kind of cheer on that um that growth that people have but i find here um the ambition gets gets destroyed because you get made out to feel bad for 
either wanting expensive things or doing really well. Like everyone loves when you start your business and it's small and you're you're servicing the clientele and everything's going great. But then like, oh, you added four more locations and you now have a big house in this. Then they're not so keen on you anymore, I find. Um, and it's, it's kind of with all that stuff. And I don't love that's the case and i understand that like if you're being flaunty at the money and all that it's it's not a great way to be but a lot of those people worked really hard to to get what they have so it's like well and i'm not even speaking to myself because like a lot of my stuff isn't that crazy but it's i just mean like I'm, I'm watching it take place and on average most people don't speak super highly of people that are in the growth mechanism 100 oh, most, most it's, times it's the ones that are at the top that are now starting to do some charity work uh that that get a bit of um a pleasing but i think in yeah, general the a, sentiment's not great this was a leading question because you know how i feel about this and like i've always asked the questions like so how many units is it that you become like the worst person ever is it one unit that you own, like <laughs> or is it the third unit or is it the 10th unit like when do we become like the worst person ever um what, what kind of money how much money do you make when you then become evil but um do you ever feel personally like you're slacking or maybe getting comfortable because you have accomplished so much in, in a relatively short period of time totally i i am unbelievably unhappy with myself and my current standing um, because I was in a mode for many years to get started. Sorry, excuse me. But from probably like 18 to 25, those seven years I had like I nothing but blinders on just to work, 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 grow, 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 grow. And the last two years, like I had a bit of success and I let off the brakes. And so I'm, I'm a little frustrated with myself in the fact that I feel like I've reduced my continual improvement like i stopped reading as much i stopped researching as much i stopped networking as much and that is something that I'm, i can feel it in myself like i'm not growing at the same pace i'm not as quick as i was so i i now feel like i have become complacent but i chose to do that because i reached a certain level and i didn't want to leave my 20s having felt like i just grinded it yeah. out so yeah. maybe i'm not super super unhappy because I, I chose to do it last year i guess the part that is blowing my mind is i didn't realize taking my foot off the gas for a year how much damage that would do to my growth it's like literally restarting like i feel like i'm, I'm having really? to like pick it's like it's like okay so let's say we're going so what do you what do you do then to get you back ribbed up you you got to, to get me back revved up like it's just like i i know what i could be and i know what i want to do and so i end up setting these goals again that i want really high i have to reset my targets refocus in on them be like these are the goals i want these are the timelines i'm going to do it in and you also just need to start making active choices so it's like again i just start eating better uh basically cutting out as much drinking and going out um and like socializing unfortunately this is something that i didn't socialize much before and i realized social life is amazing but on the flip side it takes a ton of time and effort to yeah. maintain a social life. And so it it's a hard one. So now I'm having to peel back the socializing. And that's probably one of the hardest ones because your friends are like, where are you at? Bro? Where are you at? What are yeah. you doing? Like, why have you changed? And it's like, well, I'm trying to get back to where I was. Right. This is sort of in line with like the demonization of success and the ambition. I used to have guys like, oh, man, like, where are you at, bro? All you do is work and you, you got to have a balanced life. And people with success know a balanced life is not a way to, to make progress. Right, the people who yeah. are good at something is because they obsess over it. Like the person who, you know, is the fastest person in the world is not because they're not running every day, right? Like you have to yeah. train to do these things, and it takes time, it takes sacrifice. Um, do you ever think you'll buy a six or six to twelve unit building ever again? Totally. I mean, if the price is right, I'll still buy them. Potentially, the land underneath has another option, but I I'm still interested in buying them. I'm not going to be as uh, aggressive in my plays to try and turn them over and stuff like that. There'll be more just investment plays um, as time goes on. But it's not something that I'm as as keen on, just again because 
I don't I don't love that way of that part of the business. I'd rather be in development and adding units and, and helping to build communities. Um, but yeah, if, if the if the right deal comes, if you got something for me, hit me up because I would love to look at it. Um, if you didn't have to pay any bills for twelve months and Oof. you could go full crazy mode into something right now, what would you go into? If, you mean basically take all that money and put it in something else? No, just that you had no expenses to worry about. You didn't have to worry about paying your bills week to week. You could just full on go into something. What would it be? <laughs> so, I mean, obviously that would mean I wouldn't have to work as a realtor, which would cut a lot of my time. I already have cut that down a lot. Um, but I'm, I'm, I feel like I would get really aggressive into fundraising capital to acquire and make a ton of acquisitions on the real estate side of things. Um, I have another business that I don't really want to announce on here that I'm working on in the background. Um, but it, it's basically, like I said, it's startups uh, in the real estate space that can hopefully change the market in some way. I'm not necessarily looking to take over the world with it, but I want to have an impact in some format, maybe on the East Coast of Canada or somewhere in the States. So that's, and I'm already trying to do that. And I'm trying to, this was to what you said, the, I'm gonna now we're gonna get into a little breakdown here. So I did this thing with the real estate and to the invest. The idea was that now I have a base and the monthly income from this eliminates all of my bills. And so I don't have to work a ton to pay my bills. I probably have to work yeah. maybe 10 or 20 hours a week to pay Free my bills. To do something else. And it frees me up to do something mm -hmm. else. And so that's kind of what your question is. So it would take even that 10, 20 hours away. I would just go more aggressively on the fundraising capital to do acquisitions as well as push on my my uh, real estate business, I will just say like as a hint, it's in the construction sector um, because I think things need to change there. But I've tried some different softwares here and there, but I find it's a very clouded space. There's a ton of people already doing it yeah. and it's hard to kind of gain traction. But that's what it is. I, I would get into the service. I want to be creating stuff, whether it be new, new properties, new buildings, but I really want to be creating something that's different. And for me, I think the, the merit will come once I've created something that someone like it, it's got value and it's something unique that they have to use it for. Like that's where I want to have some strength in the fact that it's something I've created that's got value that can't just be also, easily replaced. Also, that's flowing with the values of the political and social climate of the time. And you've mentioned this to me before. Yep. Like you're either flowing with government regulation or you're swimming against the stream of government regulation. And yep. let's be honest, as landlords, we're swimming, we're swimming against the stream a little bit right now when it comes to legislation, and just public sentiment. So if yeah. you can get on board with something um, and, and be profiteering in a way that the wind is, you know, filling your sails rather than, you know, blowing in your face. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, so. that, that's 100%. And I want to be involved in, in something that I think can it, it'll benefit people. Like, I don't, I'm not just doing it for a profit. Like, there's a certain lifestyle I want to achieve. There's certain targets I have in my head. There's dollar values I want to get to. There's things I want to own, um, but they're not like that's not my be all end all. There's also like an impact that I want to make on my community around me and other communities around the world um, that I, I hope I can achieve sometime, whether it be through a, a charitable effort or through a really interesting business or startup that I can get involved in. Right on. So there you go. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what Neil had to say. That comment will get you an entry into the draw as well as liking this video. If you want to go a step further, man, share it. If you can kind of spread the word, we're trying to grow this conversation and these ideas and this community together. We are working on the website. Some of you have asked about that. That'll be linked to the Patreon, and there's going to be a forum, so you'll kind of have access to the entire space once you're in there. We are getting close to that. But thanks again, as always, for listening and checking it out. We really do appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll chat with you guys again here soon. Thanks, guys.
Thank you for tuning in for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a rating and send us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Master Keys Podcast. See you next week. When, 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 when I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh.